0: episode one of Unfreakin' believable we invite you to pull up a chair relax and join in for the next 30 minutes or so we'll bring you guests who are going to share with you the moments that made a difference in their lives and it's all because of one inciting incident we believe that life is infinitely stranger than fiction stranger than anything the mind can invent you might even say it's unfreaking believable good afternoon
1: ladies how's it going doing great how about you Doing Doing fantastic.
2: Awesome. Welcome to our podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Jen. I'm Jenny. And we believe that life is made of great stories.
0: But because truth is stranger than fiction, we're going to share some stories of the miraculous, the outlandish, and the incredibly unfreaking believable. And we're going to share moments of courage and inspiration that will just make you feel good. So we're going to start out with
1: Jen. Take it away. So... We always like to add a little bit of an educational twist to everything. That's what happens when you're a retired teacher. So I'm going to share with you my word of the day. Can I get a drum roll, please? All right, thank you very much. The word of the day, and when I say word of the day, I mean a word that you've probably never heard, but would be great fun to use. And our word of the day comes to you from Sussex in England. And that word is gubbins ladies can you say gubbins with me gubbins gubbins Gubbins. what is gubbins what is gubbins exactly what is gubbins so gubbins comes to us uh courtesy of my dear sussex friend daniel uh shout out to you daniel and um gubbins is basically a word for collective junk that you have in your house. A lot of times it's sort of stuff that you would have that's like hardware related. Uh, apparently this is uniquely a Sussex term. So if you use this in like Manchester, people will look at you like you have two heads, which is, you know, that, that could be fun. Uh, <laughs> but you might say, for example, if you're from the South and you wanted to use it like I am, you might say, I've got a bit of gubbins in my junk drawer. Or you might say something like, "I was trying to find the tape, but there was there was so much gubbins in there, I just couldn't couldn't find it." So, oh my goodness, right. I'm going to have to use that one. That's okay. So, me gubbins. too. So, Jenny, where do you keep your gubbins in your house?
2: Oh God, I have a number of gubbins drawers. I think every one of us <laughs> has one of drawers, those kitchen drawers, kitchen junk drawers. Yeah, yes, yeah. Drawers. <laughs> I have
1: so, a gubbins house. You have a Govins house. Okay, I was going to yes. ask you, because I happen to know for a fact that you have an old dresser in your writing room there, Betsy. Yes. How many of those drawers in your, in your old dresser are Govins drawers? Well,
0: there are three drawers... And there are three gubbins drawers.
1: All right. Nice. All <laughs> right. that's so where I hide that everything word that, that I don't day. want people to see. <laughs> I, I cast it out into the universe and I charge all of our listeners to find a way to work gubbins into a conversation in the next two weeks until you get the next word. There and you go. And now that you have that, I'm going to turn it over to Jenny, who I think has found for us some fun facts to share today.
2: I have. I am definitely known for my fun facts. And I figured with this being our first episode, I would give us three fun facts about podcasts. And the first is that Sweden leads the world in podcast consumption. And that Twitter was actually born from a failed podcasting platform. And the third one is, is one of the first MP3 podcasts was actually a track from the band, The Grateful Dead. Oh,
0: my goodness. All right. We have to see if we can get some listeners in Sweden.
1: I was going to say, shout out to our Swedes out there. Yes. All right. right. I don't know. I mean, our audience can't see me, but you guys look like you might be descended from Swedes. So Very much so. Um, All right. Everyone ready? Let's get started. All right. Let's do it. Well, this week is
0: my pick. And since this is our first podcast, I thought what we do is we just interview each other so that our listeners can get to know who we are and why we're doing this podcast. Does that sound like a good idea? I think it sounds like yes, a great idea, but maybe we should Very give them good. a little bit
1: of uh, background first. What do you think? Betsy, sure, why don't you so. start by telling the listeners how this podcast came to be, and where did we come up with "unfreaking believable as a mm-hmm. podcast name? All right. It started on a dark and stormy night, and there dun, were dun, cocktails dun.
0: involved. Dun, dun, dun. Dun. Ah, Jenny and I were just kicking back on Skype one night, having a conversation, and I was telling her about all the podcasts that I love to listen to because I am a copious podcast consumer. And I, you know, cycle about nine or ten a week that I listen to, usually on my daily commute. And so we were kind of talking about it. And uh she said, you know, I'd love to do a podcast. I think we could do a great podcast. And I said, Yeah, we we could do that. And I said, We have to call it unfreaking believable.
2: And Betsy, you have to tell them where that comes yeah. from. Yeah.
0: So uh Unfreaking believable. I actually have a character in one of my books, uh, Rowan Pierce. He's the pro- the male protagonist in the Veritas Codex series. That's his catchphrase. And anytime he's frustrated or something weird happens, he just shakes his head and goes, unfreaking believable. And I honestly never intended for him to have a, a catchphrase like that. But when my audiobook narrator got a hold of that line, just the way she did it, was so priceless that I started writing that into future books just to hear her say it again. So it's really kind of become a, a universal catchphrase. Jenny and I both use it now in everyday conversation, and it just seemed like a natural name for our podcast. If we're going to tell some unfreaking believable stories, why not call the podcast Unfreaking Believable?
1: And I happen to notice, by the way, as, as a side note and as a fan of your books also, notice other characters have started using that term too. Um, yes usually to make fun of Rowan. Um, Yes. (laughs) um, So when did you guys start having these discussions about a podcast?
2: Oh, that was in the middle of last summer. Um, I remember because it was just before WriterCon, and that happens every Labor Day weekend in September.
1: So, Betsy, and I know I just kind of made a a little allusion to it there, you mentioned the Veritas Codex series. Yeah. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about that and tell us what you write. Okay. I'm a full-time safety professional with a degree in
0: emergency management. I retired from the Oklahoma Department of Labor about eight years ago, and I have always been a writer. I've been writing in the background, and I just really didn't know what to do with some of the things I was writing. I had, I had written the original first draft of what would become the Veritas Codex back in 2009, and uh, I just didn't really know what to do with it, so it sat in a drawer. But I couldn't get the characters out of my head, so I wrote a sequel. And that seemed to go pretty well. So I wrote another sequel. And then I wrote another sequel. (laughs) And I've got basically four books sitting in a drawer, um, you know, on a flash drive that I have no path to publication. I have no idea what I'm going to do with it. But it was a story that I didn't think anybody would ever read because I really wrote it just for practice. And I could be as outlandish as I wanted to be. I could, you know, throw in aliens and Bigfoot and time travel, and all kinds of crazy wild things. And it didn't matter because it was just for me and nobody was ever going to read it. It's the purest Uh, kind of
1: storytelling there, just when you're telling it for yourself.
0: Exactly. So uh, in 2019, 10 years after I wrote the original version, I was at a writer's conference. I was at WriterCon here in Oklahoma City. And I had written in my notes somewhere that you know within the next year, I'm going to do one thing That's going to get me invited to come back and be a speaker at WriterCon because I speak at safety conferences all the time. Uh, I like to do that. I'm good at it, I think. (laughs) So I uh, had just put that in my notes and I wrote it on my heart and I didn't really know where the path would take me. But uh, that year they announced that they were going to go on the WriterCon cruise, which is basically a writer's retreat at sea on a ship. With beautiful ports of call, wonderful food, and plenty of time to just sit and write, to take some classes. And so I went on that cruise. Well, part of that was you workshop a book, and you send that in ahead of time so that they the, the coaches can read it, and they assign you to a coach who's your mentor. So I thought, okay, if I'm really serious about my writing career and I really want to go somewhere with this, I have to send the book that scares me the most. And that was what would become the Veritas Codex. So I sent that in. We got to the ship. We workshopped the book. My mentor also writes paranormal uh, suspense novels. And she kind of coached me through some things, you know, and I was really I kept asking, you know, is this too over the top? Is this too over the top? She goes, no, this is great. Keep going. I pitched it to a publisher while we were at sea just to practice, uh, which is really hard because the biggest critique I got was, you you know, you need to make better eye contact. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, but did you not notice there were dolphins outside the window? (laughs) (laughs) And I was so distracted by the dolphins. I, you know, I about flubbed my pitch, but, you know, we got back on February 10th of 2020 and we all know what happened in March of 2020. You know, the whole world fell out from under us. And I thought, well, that's it. That's all she wrote. Nobody's publishing books anymore. We're done. Uh, And then within a couple of weeks, I had an email saying, you know, I'm starting a new, a new publishing company. I really like your book. And I think you'd be a great member of our team if you're interested in working with me. I'd like to offer you a contract for your series,
1: not for your book, for your series. So in other words, what you're saying is that an angel flew down and landed in your lap. And you went, hello.
0: And slapped me in the face and said, come on, baby, we're doing this.
2: That's a pretty (laughs) unfreaking believable story.
0: Yes, isn't it though? Because that kind of thing never happens. Uh, No agent, no middleman we had a contract within a few weeks, you know, my attorney ran through it, gave me some suggestions, we made a couple of tweaks to it, and uh, September 1st of 2020 at the Next Writer Con, we debuted the Veritas Codex series
1: at number 1. So, in addition to the angel landing in your lap, it also basically said, "Oh, and PS, you don't even have to sell your soul to become a best-selling writer." Exactly.
0: Exactly. <laughs> So uh, it's been a wild ride since then. We now have six books in the series. Uh, I'm currently working on edits for book seven, which I hope will be out in 2024. Um, my goal is to publish two books a year. My goal for the series is you know, we'll get to the book 12 and see where we're at and then reevaluate to see if I want to go left, if I want to go right, or if I just want to keep on forging ahead.
1: All right. Well, that's. Well, I mean, what an incredible series of puzzle pieces that just kind of fell into place there to make things just, you know, ideal and perfect. And you just found the right people at the right time, which brings me to another question Um, because I know that in 2020, you and Jenny hadn't met yet. So how did you
2: guys meet? Jenny, you want to tell that story? Sure. Um, I actually found Betsy through the writer con group on Facebook um, back then, it was named the Red Sneaker Writers Group, um, which was named after books that William Bernhardt has that I started um, to use to write my first novel. And I kept she kept commenting when I'd you know put up a question, I'd ask questions in the group, and she was always so involved and active. I'm like, she seems really cool. I'm just going to take a chance and send her a private message. And well, as the saying goes, the rest is history. <laughs>
1: exactly. So you've mentioned WriterCon a bunch of times now, Mm -hmm. and of course I have connections to WriterCon as well, and I swear this isn't a commercial, although we do love you, Bill. Um, (laughs) But tell us, Betsy, since you've been involved with WriterCon for a lot longer than we have, um, tell us a little bit about WriterCon and what it is, um, because if there's writers listening, I think we all agree that having supportive writers around you makes all the difference in the world. So uh, tell us a little bit about WriterCon.
0: Yeah, it totally does. Uh, WriterCon is an annual celebration of writers here in Oklahoma City. Uh, right in the center of the United States, it's easy to fly in, easy to fly out of, really uh, a centrally located location. Uh, it's hosted by the, I don't know, 65 or 60 best bestselling author, William Bernhardt, who writes legal thrillers, and his wife, Laura, who writes paranormal and supernatural and women's fiction. I started going back, I've been able to pinpoint it to 2016, that was the first year I went that was even before it was the Red Sneaker Writers Conference. It was the Rose State College Writers Conference. And that's where I was going to school at the time to get my degree in emergency management. And my professor is actually the one who told me about it because he was, he's also a writer. And uh, he said, you know, we really need to go to this, this writing conference and students get a discount. So sign me up. We go to that. Uh, And I've gone almost every year since 2016. I think there was one year in there that I had to miss because of a work obligation. But they bring together writers, agents, editors, author support services, uh, anything you could possibly need to be a functioning author, whether you publish traditionally, you publish self, you know, by yourself, if you're independent, a small publisher, everything you need is at this one four-day conference. And I say four-day because there's Three days of conference and then a day of master classes. And this year they added something new. They added Reader Con. So we invited readers to come, meet the authors, did all kinds of panel discussions. I'm now a regular speaker at that event. I was on several panels, got to do a couple of presentations. They keep me really busy those weekends. But it's just a really great opportunity for the writing community to come together and tell our stories and learn from each other and share in the struggles and the trials and tribulations that come with being a lonely little author in our own little cubby somewhere. Mm. So uh, I, I, you know, I I brought you guys both into it. You know, Jenny, you were kind of already there, but I I got hold of Jen and said, Hey, you have to come. In fact,
1: I think I even called you when I was flying back from uh, God rest her soul, my mother-in-law's funeral and said, Hey, you know, I'm really thinking about this. And I, at that point, I don't think i had ever talked to you voice wise. I think we had right. just chatted online up to that point. And, uh, you know, you, I mean, to your credit, you didn't try to sell me at all. You're just like, mm-hmm. here's what it is. Here's where I think, y- you know, you'd benefit, you know, cause I, I think that at that time you knew it would be a pretty significant expense for me to fly in yes. from Florida to come. So you were just like not pressuring me, but I will tell you, and again, not a commercial, I swear. We are, we
0: are
1: not even by writer con no. at all. No, we do we <laughs> do yet. love you, Bill. But it was life altering. I mean, I was so yeah. glad I went. I, I just really it was very uh, affirming. So anyway, Jenny,
2: to, yeah, it was the same thing for me with because uh, I'm flying in from the East Coast too. I'm just up north in New Hampshire where you're down in Florida, so it was going to be you know a pretty big expense for me too, flying in and with hotel fare and everything. And mm-hmm. I already knew I wanted to go and. Betsy was the same way. She did not push it on me. I just discussed with her on what she learned and she told me a bit about herself and I was just sold. Yeah. You know, and again, I know we're not pushing writer con here, but we do love Bill. He's actually my, uh, my mentor and my writing Mm -hmm. coach.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He just I just like eating Mexican food with him, really. Yes. <laughs> yes. We do eat a lot of Mexican food when, when everybody comes. And have um, great
2: so- big giant frozen margaritas. <laughs>
1: well, yeah, I'll leave that to you too. I'll be the designated driver, even though I couldn't you find, go. you know, my yeah. my butt with both hands and directions in Oklahoma City, but that's okay. <laughs> Jenny, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background what you like to write and, and that sort of thing.
2: All right. So I myself, I am almost, I'm on the doorstep of turning 52. And actually, by the time this airs, I am I will be 52. So I'm a former IT specialist, and I'm also a retired firefighter EMT. Towards the mid to late 90s, I used to travel to the US. I taught a computer-assisted drafting program. And traveling got to be so much for me then that I decided to switch to a more local job, and I went to work for GTE, where we were an internet, sur- we were internet service providers for internet service providers, and there I managed ten of the world's largest internet companies. But once nine eleven had happened, it just shifted my life, and I decided to become a firefighter and an EMT, and I did that until about the end of two thousand fourteen.
1: That's and a pretty big jump.
2: It <laughs> is. It is, and I will get into that later on why that jump happened. But as far as being a writer, and actually now a two-time award-winning writer, or author, woo-hoo! yeah, woo-hoo, though I'm not yet published and yet being the operative word there, exactly. Um, yeah, it was um, in August of 2021 is when I finally started pursuing my dream of being a writer, and currently I write supernatural, fantasy, and horror. Nice, That's fun stuff.
1: Yeah, and right. I know that uh, Jenny, when you and I finally met, um, Betsy had told me a little bit about you, but when we did finally meet, um, last year, I know you and I immediately bonded over our deep and abiding love for Supernatural. Yes. So. <laughs> and you know, so I Misha, will never- if you're listening, call me. It's
2: the TV show, right?
1: Not yes. the genre.
2: <laughs> yes, the TV show. And I tell you, I will never forget that moment sitting in one of the classes and we had to do an exercise where you describe- A book or a TV show or a movie. And I had said, you know, two brothers suffering from grief and driven by revenge, drive around killing supernatural beings in a kick-ass car listening to kick-ass tunes. And she just looked at me and she was like, supernatural. You're my people. (laughs) You're my people.
0: (laughs) We found our tribe. That's for sure. That's that's one of the nice things too about WriterCon is that that's where we found our tribe. Oh, for I yes. found my tribe. I've, you know, I've found, I kind of found you guys on the internet, but we really came together as a tribe at that event. I, I was so. actually a
1: Russian mail order bride, but you know, we're not going <laughs> to, uh, okay. we're not well, going to get into that story. I tell yeah, you, it's uh,
2: my tribe so much that I'm actually moving from New Hampshire to Oklahoma this spring. Awesome. We're so yes. excited.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, Jen, it's
1: time for you to tell us a little bit about you and what you write. Okay. So, um, I do not live in Oklahoma, and as much as I love you, I'm not moving to
2: Oklahoma.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. um, That having been said, though, Um, I do live in Florida. Um, I spent 30 years in the trenches teaching public school. I taught English, creative writing, and speech and debate. Um, If any of my speech and debate kids are out there listening, probably not kids anymore, but Hey, still love you guys. Once crew, always crew. But uh, yeah, so I, I've been writing my whole life. But in 2019, so again, Betsy and I have discovered that actually we're secretly the same person. Exactly. So in 2019, I sort of had this moment of clarity where I said to myself, you know, the, the writer is the person who finishes the book, not the one who has all the ideas. So I decided to do uh, National Novel Writing Month. Uh, in November of 2019. And so I I actually sat down and I wrote my first complete novel, which is called Rise of the Moon. And it is a YA paranormal urban fantasy story. It is based on tarot cards and uh, sort of a coming of age of young people coming into their power, so forth and so on. And of course, right after that, uh, I finished the book and then I was like, now what? And then the world went to hell in a handbasket. Because uh, so, we're the uh, same person. Exactly. <laughs> and so at about the time I decided to start querying, number one, all of the um, big publishers and even a lot of the small publishers had decided that YA literature was just oversaturated. So most of them weren't really taking new work. And then you know on top of that nobody was taking new clients during the pandemic so my book just kind of sat around for a while and then eventually i tried self publishing and it was fine but i felt like i didn't have all the resources at my disposal so i got involved with some online writers groups in on instagram mostly and that's actually where i met betsy um because we were on a podcast following each other so she was episode 1 and i was episode 2 Um, So that kind of made our introduction through Micah Campbell, who we will have on the show eventually. And then, you know, from there on, you know, I guess that's kind of where where it all started.
2: Uh, But again, I write
1: YA Paranormal. I also write High Fantasy. I've got a new series out of that. And then I write Horror, which is ironically where Betsy and I met, because Betsy keeps saying she doesn't write Horror. I don't write Horror. We worked together on (laughs) a um, charity anthology called Autumn Tales again, through Micah. So that's kind of where it all started. A lot of my characters, here's a a fun fact for you, Jenny, since you're the fun fact queen. Um, A lot of my characters, particularly in Rise of the Moon, are actually based on former students of mine. I like that. Yeah. So I asked them in advance, do you mind if I kind of base a character on you? Universally, they've they've all said they're cool with it. Um, Some have even said, oh, I'll be a villain. You can kill me off or whatever. But (laughs) I haven't done done. I haven't killed off any of my kids yet. But yeah, so and I'm still in touch with most of them now. They're in their mid to late 20s. And yeah, so they that's I get to keep my kids forever through my books. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Now you guys keep mentioning this Autumn Tales. So and I myself being a fan of Autumn Tales have read the first book so far, although book two is on my TBR. And since both of you are in both of these amazing anthologies, why don't you tell us a little bit about Autumn Tales 1 and 2? Oh, do you yeah, want to field Autumn, that one, yeah. Betsy?
0: Yeah, I'll do that. Uh, Autumn Tales is an anthology. It's a horror anthology. And uh, Michael Campbell is the publisher with Anatolian Press. Uh, he reached out to me uh, last year and said, hey, we're, uh, we're going to do a horror anthology. And I'd really love it if you would write something for, for our anthology, uh, would you be interested? And I'm like, well, I don't really write horror. He goes, I've read your work. I think you can do it. And I'm like, mm, yeah, but I just, it's really not my jam. It's not my thing. It's not what I'm into. Not myself Yeah, tea. but look, here, here's, yeah. He, and he, Like, here's the thing. He said, this is something I want to do because I want to put a mission behind it. I want this to be a method for us to raise money to fight human trafficking.
2: How can um, you say no to that? Well,
0: I'm i am I'm a mission-driven person. I worked in at the Department of Labor for 28 years. And part of that time, I was the director of the Child Labor Compliance Division. And we were involved in a couple of human trafficking investigations. So I, I've seen the results. I've seen how easy it is for kids to fall into a trap. I've seen how clever the bad guys can be. And when he said that you know all the proceeds were going to go, all the proceeds from Amazon were going to go to uh, that nonprofit to fight human trafficking, I'm like, okay, I'm in, no questions asked. You know, you, you I'll write something, and if it's not horror enough, you let me know, and I'll either rewrite it or maybe I'll jump in next year. He goes, no, you'll do fine. And uh, odd and Tales one came out last year, and my book is number one, first on the very first page. Uh, you get introduced to the whole series. Uh, with my story, no boys allowed. So this year we have recently published autumn tales two uh, in 2023. And it is also a collection of short stories that are all horror related. Uh, none of them really have a similar theme. They're all just really dark and spooky. Um, but this year they doubled the number of
1: authors contributing to the work. So instead can I share of another uh, fun fact, can I yeah, throw a yeah, fun, fun fact, fact in? Okay. So since I have another Fun fact here. I hope Jenny's taking notes. Um, So (laughs) I mentioned that a lot of my characters are based on actual former students of mine. Uh Well, in Autumn Tales 2, one of the stories uh, is written by the young woman who is the basis for the protagonist in my first book, Rise of the Moon. Oh, wow. Um, So Jessica Knight. uh, Again, if you're listening, Jessica, love you. But she is now looking at trying to push her creativity into a writing direction. She's always been very creative. So she's got her first story published in Autumn Tales 2.
2: That is awesome. awesome.
0: Unfreaking believable. It is unfreaking unfreaking believable. believable. There we go. (laughs) And uh,
1: Betsy and I really, mostly our friendship sort of started uh, through the Autumn Tales project, but mostly in the chat. Right. Yeah. Cause we had a
0: private chat going.
1: Yeah. 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 And that's, that's, uh, that's also where the sisterhood of the traveling
0: shirt began. That's right. The sisterhood of the traveling that? shirt. Go ahead. Tell the I story. Had gotten, you, yeah. i got gotten a t-shirt for Christmas that was the prettiest green with red print on it that said future bestselling author. And I had it two weeks and I had to, I was either going to have to mark the future off or quit wearing it because I hit the bestseller list. Number one Woo-hoo. on Amazon's movers and shakers, Woo-hoo. and so I, it was no longer valid. So I'm like, okay, I got to pay it forward. So we started talking in the chat, and I said, okay, who's next? And Jen's <laughs> like, ooh, pick me, pick me. So I packaged up the shirt and sent it off to Jen in Florida. Yeah, and Jen got to
1: wear the shirt for a while. And
2: I think you've already sent it off.
1: I Jen, yeah. Who, so I oh, actually I was
2: say who would you send it to? I'm next.
1: <laughs> so I actually <laughs> didn't. Um, I wasn't the. Um, best-selling author but mm-hmm. I did I did win a couple of book fest awards so that I works. took that as uh, affirmation that the shirt is in fact magical and I believe I sent it to Whitney Zahar Yes, she did. That's right. Oh, Whitney, who
2: who does one of the podcasts? Yes, yes, Yes. she she does does a podcast.
1: Several
0: Book Fest
2: awards herself. Yes, we're going to have. So it's time for her to actually. She needs to
1: pass the shirt on now to me. We got to
2: let Whitney know to send it to me, ladies. Yes, (laughs) okay. I need some of that
0: juju. Yes, you do. You do indeed. And it is a magical shirt. It works. Yeah. Well, since this podcast is all about those unfreakable moments that define us, and that one
1: inciting incident. Do either of you have a really unfreaking believable story, Jen? I my life is a series of unfreaking believable stories. But when I was thinking about, you know, our conversation today, I actually I narrowed it down to two choices. I was either going to tell a supernatural story or I was going to tell a natural disaster story. And uh the I think the supernatural story kind of won out. So here is the shortened version of the supernatural story. So I've always been particularly sensitive to, you know, vibes, energies, that kind of thing. That's probably one of the reasons why I write a lot of paranormal and I'm I'm really interested in paranormal. When I was in college, so this was at the end of 1992 um, I had started actually dating my husband and then subsequently left him for four and a half months to go do my internship in Great Britain. Um, So I, I actually got to Great Britain, I actually wrote a guidebook as my senior thesis. And then after that, a couple of girls from the University of South Florida, uh, kind of came over. And one of them, uh, she and I decided we were going to travel together for two weeks in mainland Europe. So here we are, we're we're traveling together. And I, I have to admit, I mean, she's a, just a fine, a fine person, but she and I were very, very different people. Um, and so she was, you know, meeting up with people from all different countries and, you know, definitely partying. Meanwhile, I'm the, the one who was like, yeah, but when do we get to go to the museum? Um, there was already, there was already that going on. But anyway, so here we were, we were in Rome and I, I remember we were at the Spanish Steps. Uh, In Rome and we were kind of wandering around and uh, it was September 8th, 1992. And the next day was actually my husband's birthday. He wasn't my husband then he was just my boyfriend, but it was his birthday the next day. So I had already run up just ludicrous phone bills because in the 90s, it's not like you just had a cell phone where you could call like you had to put coins in the machine.
2: Yeah. So I, there's a funny didn't... fact, drop a dime comes from somewhere kids. There you go. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> and so
1: I, I was going to call him the next day, but we were walking around the Spanish steps and all of a sudden I just stopped dead in my tracks. And I was like, I have to call Buck right now. I have to call him. I absolutely must right now. I've got to find a phone. I have to call him. And the, the girls that I was traveling with, kind of looked at me like I was nuts. I was like, look, you guys go do whatever you're going to do. I'll meet you back at the pension. Cause we were, we were actually not pension, but we we're kind of staying in a kind of a, not really a bed and breakfast, but like a boarding house kind of thing. So I was like, I will meet you guys back there. I, I just have to, I have to find a phone and then I'll go back to the room. So that was unusual for me, even though, you know, I wasn't really the party hound. I usually just tagged along. So I, I did find a, a cell phone. or not a cell phone, a pay phone, it's like a dinosaur. You don't see them very often. Right. So I, I called, I found, Uh, I, w- I, wasn't, I didn't have enough coins. So I had to like call the old fashioned way and like put, you know, go through like a calling card, credit card thing. So I finally was able to reach Buck. And it turns out that it, at almost exactly that same minute when I started going, I need to, I need to find a phone. He had gotten word that his best friend had died unexpectedly. oh Oh, my gosh wow and he had he had said a prayer that I would call
2: oh wow oh my gosh yeah so
1: so I did um and I talked to him and of course you know it was was, I hated it because I wasn't going to be home until December so there wasn't really anything that I could do but you know I I definitely you know I, I talked with him for a while and then I went back to the room obviously I wasn't you know, in any mood to go out and meet them for a party or whatever. So fast forward uh, about a month and I was back in England and I was doing my final teaching internship in England and I was living in a dorm in Brighton along the Southern coast of England. And you could see the English channel from my room. I was on the fourth floor. And um, as always happens, when you have a bunch of girls living in the same place, there's drama, right? I think we can all testify. (laughs) For some reason, (laughs) just seems to happen. Um, And so some of the girls that I was traveling with by about mid-November, it was becoming really annoying. Uh, I guess it might be early November. It was really annoying because all they did was complain about wanting to go home. And I I was just so much enjoying the adventure. But I, I also didn't really know much of anybody else over there. So I was really vexed because I was starting to have a lot of conflict with them because I didn't want to be around them. And of course they were splitting into groups and clicks and all that kind of stuff. So one night I was, I, I had gone to bed and there was a, the moonlight was shining through my, my window and it, the moonlight would hit a mirror on the opposite side of the room and then create like a glowing rectangle on the wall. So you can kind of imagine, it's just like the light would bounce. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I was lying there and I was, I was thinking about this fight between some of these girls and I look over and I can see Mike, who was my husband's best friend. I see his silhouette in the square of light wow. on the, on the wall. Oh my gosh. And I, I, you know, I, like, and it's just like, it was like a shadow, like he was standing in the window, but I was on the fourth floor, right? There's nothing outside oh the window. Gosh, yeah. So I, 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 because it, and it felt like Mike to me. So I was like, Hey, <laughs> and, and as clear as day, he, he said to me, don't worry about most of those girls. You won't stay friends with them. Worry about mending fences with, and then he named a couple mm-hmm. of the ones he said, these are the ones that you need to stay friends with. Don't worry about the rest of them. You know, they're, they're not going to be around. Yeah. Wise um, words. And he said, he said, Buck asked me to watch out for you. So I'll, I'll be around. And then he was gone. Wow. So there was a, an outside hallway that was all windows that overlooked the English channel. And when I would walk down that hallway, almost every time I would start to hear knocking on the outside wall as I like, it would follow me down the hallway. And I always took that as Mike telling me that he was still there watching over me.
0: That's nice. Oh, my wow. gosh. Wow.
2: That's incredible. That's unfreaking believable. believable. <laughs> that's my that unfreaking is. believable story. That's Jake's awesome. I'm, not brief.
1: I'm sorry. That was supposed to be briefly tell my story. I'm not good at brief. I'm a big mouth. So that's all right. Yeah, that's okay. We're
0: going to go over on this episode. But this is our first episode. We can do whatever
2: we want. Yes, and It's so, perfectly okay.
1: Yeah. Yes, we word. can. Just so entertaining. Um, yes. All right. So now that I have blathered on for what felt like Seven or eight minutes, Jenny. Why don't you? Uh, why don't you tell us why don't your you blather story? Blather on for seven or eight minutes. Why it's don't I
2: blather on? I'm I'm no, capable blather, of please that. Blather. <laughs> What's our you know, word today? Govins. Govins. Sorry, I didn't want to forget it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Jen, I was almost going to shift my, uh, you know, prepared story of what I was going to I was going to talk about. I was almost going to shift it because you do have something about you that seems to attract spirits. Because when I first hung out with you, when we were at WriterCon, you come up and hung out in Betsy and I's room that night. And I had been talking about how I swear I have a ghost following me that is very comical and trips me all the time. And you just come out with these most un believable things that were so true. You're like, oh, it's your great uncle. And there's something about a watch and he gave you a dog. I'm like, what? I don't have uh, a great uncle that ever gave me a dog. Well, sure, I don't know if I can swear on this, so I'm going to cut myself off there. Okay. (laughs) But sure enough, I did have a great uncle who gave me a stuffed animal from the bank he worked at. And I used to wear my watch upside down the way he did. So you do attract things like that, Jen. And I think that's really cool about you. It's unfreaking believable. Yeah, (laughs) it's. Oh man! So I enjoyed that story, and I'm glad you left it to be uh, that we hadn't heard it. But I am going to mention how I became a writer because that, to me myself, is my own unfreaking believable story. So it was in 2001 when I finally decided to start, you know, trying to pursue my dream of being a writer, and I started taking classes. But unfortunately, shortly after I had began those classes in the summer of 2001. Um, 9-11 happened. And at that point in my career, I worked for GTE, which we had been renamed to Genuity by then, but we occupied the top floors of both North and South tower at the world trade oh, centers. Wow. They weren't office floors. They were server floors. Cause we ran two main lines out of there. I used to affectionately refer to them as a tale of two cities because any readers out there will guess one went to London, the other to Paris. Oh boy. <laughs> very yeah. clever. Yeah. And um, when that first plane hit, I left the building I was in and I walked, you know, through the ca- glass catwalk over to the building my husband was in. He worked in our network operations center and there, on movie size, you know, movie theater size screens, our computer screens. We were watching nine 11 unfold there and they were on the phone and I'm not going to mention his name just, you know, for his family's sake. Um, but they were on the phone with one of our techs who was in the second tower and they were being inundated with smoke and they had come down and they had made it to the 86th floor. And there was a massive crowd of people, you know, that said the smoke's too much. We need to head up and go to the roof so we can breathe. And right at that moment where they were on that 86th floor is when that second plane smacked into mm-hmm. that tower. I was and, watching
0: that live on TV. Oh my Oh my gosh. Uh,
2: and we were sitting there not only with, you know, one of our techs on the phone with my husband and his, you know, his coworkers, but we're watching it on, literally on this movie theater size screen. And it was just one of those life altering moments. Like I know yeah. I went into shock. I lost a bit of time because then all of a sudden the next thing I know I'm out of this secured room because it was fingerprint technology to get in there. And I didn't have it. They had to let me in. (laughs) And uh, all of a sudden, the next thing I know, I'm in the gym with everybody else looking up at the screen, watching everything happen before I finally pulled myself together to go back upstairs and go, oh my God, we're under attack. You know, we're at war. So instead of continuing to pursue my dream of being a writer, I instead, you know, watching those towers collapse and everything. I'm like, I need to be one of those people. I said, I know in my heart, I can be one of those people that run into the buildings when everybody else is running out. Yeah. So I made the decision. And by 2003, I was a firefighter. A couple of years later, an EMT. And I also worked for two police departments during that time. Cause I worked, you know, 24 hour shifts on an ambulance. I only worked two days a week at the fire department. So I also did emergency dispatching for two police departments. And at the end of 2014, I am not ashamed to say I had to leave because I did wind up with PTSD and I wandered yeah. around, you know, for a few years, not knowing what the hell I was going to do with my life, doing amateur photography and stuff. And it wasn't until, um, August 26th of 2021 when I came home, cause I had to quit a job. It was too much for my dyslexia and it was an it job. Great job. And, you know, I was crying when my husband got home and he metaphorically kicked my ass out the door to pursue my dream. He's like, don't even look for another job. You're just going to follow your dream. And now here I am, you know, two, Two years and a couple of months later, and I have two awards for my supernatural fantasy under my belt, and I have found my tribe of people so much so that, as I mentioned earlier, I am moving to Oklahoma, man.
0: Exactly. Betsy, how about you?
1: Tell us, tell us your story.
0: Oh my gosh, I, I, I kind of like you guys. I have a series of unfreaking believable stories that I've experienced in my life. Um, probably the one that stands out to me the most. I was raised by my grandfather and he was the most amazing storyteller. And he's one of the reasons today that I'm a writer. But when I was pregnant with my son, I developed a help syndrome, which is basically where your liver shuts down. And Oof. I was only 36 weeks pregnant. And the doctor said, look, you're having this baby today. I'm like, I can't have this baby today. I'm supposed to be in my baby shower at three o'clock. He goes, no, you're not going to a baby shower today. Today we're you're having a baby. And so I thought, OK, you know, we we talked it over. We you know, listened to what they had to say and, and totally trusted our medical staff to, to take care of me and, and the baby. And so um, as they were getting me ready to go in for the C-section, uh, I'm still in my in my room and they're, you know, getting everything ready in the in the operating room. And I look over at the door and gentleman was walking by and he stopped and took a step back and he turned and looked at me. And I swear it was my grandfather. And he just kind of always gave me this look when I'd done something good or when I needed a little encouragement, he would just kind of look at me and nod. And he did that. And that's when I knew, okay, everything's going to be okay. Nothing left to worry about because he's not here for me. He's here to support me, which he always was. And he told the best yarns and the most wonderful stories. And I, I just could not wait to tell those stories to my kids. And so when I saw him, I just knew, okay, everything's gonna be okay. And at three oh six that day, sweet little six pound baby boy arrived. Light of my life, he's twenty two years old now, and uh, I just have my grandfather to thank for being there for me and for making me the
2: storyteller that I am today. Well, that is so amazing. That's, That's unbelievable. No, he's not stopping saying a amazing.
1: he's a big boy now
0: yes he's a six foot four and about 180 pounds soaking wet and makes the best coffee you can imagine he's totally coffee crazy he wants to be own a coffee shop and be a barista. He can do the little flower art and all kinds of things. He makes oh, little wow. seahorses. I yeah. mean, it just blows me away what he can do. So you're going to have to yeah. take me there when I move out. Yes, we will go. And Jen, next time you're here, if we can make it work, maybe we'll all go down and have a coffee. Well, yeah, to tell
1: me what he can do with chai tea. Cause I'm not a coffee person. I'm Yes.
0: Yes, he does.
2: Yeah. Not um, everybody's a
0: coffee drinker. I get it.
2: you know, <laughs> We all have these unfricking believable stories, but just us coming together to make this podcast, ladies, is yes. unfricking
1: believable. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. What uh, so let's let's real quick tell our listeners what they can expect from the podcast and um, you know who we've got lined up to tell their unfreaking believable stories. Jenny, who do you have on deck?
2: Oh boy, I've got a stacked deck. <laughs> So I have best-selling author Robert Dagoni, who oh Betsy and I were both lucky to meet at WriterCon oh, 2022. Oh, God, he's amazing. And here yep. we are pitching WriterCon again, and we really don't mean to.
0: <laughs> but it's we love you, Bill. It's
2: come yes, common thread. You. And so much happens there. But, no. um also, I have authors Kevin Tumlinson and Mark Leslie LeFave, who just happened to be with Draft to Digital, who's also at WriterCon every year. Yeah, they <laughs> are. <laughs> and I have a couple of my horror friends that are going to be coming on Damon Manx and Ken King. And man, I cannot wait. For them to share their unfricking believable stories with everybody. Yeah, I'm
0: excited to hear who you have. I've got a couple of people lined up. I've got Sean Layman from the Middle Aged and Creeped Out podcast. You've had those really guys so much. Horrible, love them. Yeah. He's got an unfreaking believable story to tell us. Uh, Bob Sands, who's a playwright and an yes, author.
1: Bob, it's amazing. Oh. Guess where we
0: met him? Right, oh, <laughs> So I've got a couple other people I'm still working on getting a yes. My deck isn't quite as stacked as Jenny's, but uh, I'm, a, I'm working over here working with tarot cards. So bear with me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get there. Look, I can uh, help with you that. Got? Yeah. Jen, what do you got?
1: Okay. Um, so I have a couple that I'm working on as well. Um, so we've already mentioned, I've got our mutual friend, publisher, author, podcaster, musician, you know, jack of all trades. Yeah. Um, butcher, baker, candlestick maker, Micah Campbell. Um, So we we just have to have him on, obviously. Um, Definitely. But I also have a couple of film directors that I'm working on, award winning film directors. So I'm not going to say their names yet because I, you know, until until I have firm commitments, I don't want to get anybody overly excited. But I'm I'm super excited about that, and I might also have a couple of social media influencers that I'm right might be joining us. So I'm waiting to hear back from a
2: couple of those as well. And besides
1: Jenny, the TikTok queen. It, yeah, well, she is the TikTok queen, and I, I I, imagine she will recognize the names once I get firm commitments. And, nice. you know, with
2: you having your director friends come in, that's going to be right in line with Bob Sands as well. So hopefully our listeners that are interested in writing screenplays and making films will be really interested in those people. Yeah. And guess what? You can meet and take classes from Bob Sands at Tell Them Ladies Ryder Con! Rider God. <laughs> Love you, Bill! <laughs> Look,
1: if we keep doing this, Bill, Bill's going to have to give us kickbacks. So we're going <laughs> to yeah, oh, yeah.
2: have to knock that off. All right. Yeah, but that's true. To let our to let our listeners know, our goal is to release two episodes twice a month, around the 11th and 27th of each month.
0: Yeah, we're excited to get this show on the road. And by the time this episode airs, we'll already have a few more episodes in the can. And our listeners will be able to hear those. Um, but I need you to buckle up, guys, because this is going to be a wild ride. An Absolutely. Unfreaking believable
1: ride. It's the best kind, yeah, the best is. kind of yeah. ride. And, you know, if I'm driving, we got to buckle up. <laughs> yeah, you got to yes. buckle up. Absolutely. Um, so we would like to thank our listeners. I want to thank my co-hosts for joining me in the madness. My, my sister's from another Mista. Um, yep. Thank you guys for sharing your stories and telling us all about what makes you so unfreaking believable.
2: And I would like to let our listeners know, if you've enjoyed this episode, please rate and review it on whatever platform you listen to, because all of that, it helps us. And join our unfrickin' believable Facebook group, and you can also join us on TikTok and Instagram.
0: Yep. And you can come to our website, www.ufbpodcast.com. And if you have an unfreaking believable story, reach out to us at
2: ufbpodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com because we want to hear your story and share it with our listeners too. Betsy, what do you want to send us out with for your quote of the day? Ah, uh, quote of the day. All right, here's my quote. Some stories
1: have to be written
0: because no one would believe the absurdity of it all by Shannon right L. Adler. Right right on. It's...
1: All right, absurdity is a good way to end it. So thank you, everyone. And just remember, don't just be awesome. Be
2: unfreaking believable. And we'll see you all next time. Bye.